Welcome to Growth Interviews. Real experts around the globe giving away their best so that you can become smarter. I'm here with Burk Tanir, the CEO of Pricing. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. That's right. Thank you for taking the time to Thank talk you. to us. Yeah. So let's introduce you to our audience. Sure. Just uh, tell us more about what you do at the moment. And um, let's do something uh, interesting. Name three things about yourself that we should know about you. Well, I mean, in business context, I think not necessarily in business Both, yeah, context. yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I am quite into traveling and kind of like backpacking. Mm -hmm. I, I kind of have grown up. Now I'm about 30, but like 10 years ago, me in Bucharest would be a different bush, I guess. <laughs> and I, I, I was mostly hitchhiking around and stuff. Yeah. But I think traveling and associated to that food yeah. can be nice. And now I'm married, so my wife can be the third. Actually, the first part, it should be... <laughs> We should have started with yeah, that. We can, we can change the order. But anyways, I'm married to a really nice woman like called Burchin. Her name is also quite similar to mine. But anyways, and also like I'm quite into learning different cultures, which yeah. I can reflect also into my business. For example, I today I came to this event thanks to Valentin's invitation, but also like because I have never been to Bucharest, I never had the chance. So oh, I'm so here. this is your first time in Bucharest? Yeah, it's my first time. Oh, so, my God. Yeah, I mean, like... How do you like it so far? It's fine. I just came last afternoon, actually. I went to this restaurant called Chajuju Pere or something like that. Okay. It, yeah, so it was nice. I mean, piano and everything. I ate night okay. food. Uh, but I, I have a lot of stuff to catch up. So I woke up early. I came here. I am still working. So probably I will walk around this afternoon. I you will should. get lost a bit, <laughs> which I like. Uh, but I'm, I'm enjoying it. I mean, I'm quite into, like... Cities where people really communicate with you rather than they're just, you know, snob and, you know, Yeah, exactly, and they you. don't really be talking yeah, to each I other. Yeah, I think I liked it so far. And, you know, obviously, this evening will be this is it as well, as yeah. I will spend more time. But, I mean, I, I'm enjoying my time now. Awesome. Yeah. So, you're the, you're the founder of Pricing, right? Yeah, correct. So, how did you get into the e-commerce world? But firstly, you can start by telling us a few things about pricing. What sure. does pricing do? Sure. Pricing, in, you know, in essence, is a competitor price tracking software for e-commerce companies. So, literally, you can track your like competitors' exact same product uh, prices. So, for example, you are selling iPhone. You can see all the iPhone prices at your competitors. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, we now also have a dynamic pricing capability. With that data, you can actually define certain price rules. So, you can change your prices automatically. So, it's, you know, Way, a full package product that autopilots your pricing decision making process as an e-commerce company. Okay. How did you get into the e-commerce world? What yeah. took you on this track? Actually, I, I was actually a secondary in the e-commerce world because I had a lot of friends who were involved in e-commerce like around 2012. So they mm -hmm. either started up companies in e-commerce or they started to work at companies. Yeah. So whenever I had the chance to actually talk to them about their business life, day-to-day -day life and stuff, they always complained me about this dull manual process of tracking their competitor prices obviously manual yeah so they were all visiting on competitor websites checking out price points copying and pasting till they get blind you know so they complained about this process and then i thought man you're a smart person or girl you're a smart girl why are you doing this manual yeah. then i like thanks to my technical friends as well i came up with the idea of automating this full end-to-end -end process and we built pricing which is now automating that uh, dull manual process of tracking competitor prices so 
I kind of observed a problem in e-commerce world. Yeah. And I entered to this world as a solution provider. I have never been involved in e-commerce myself. So I never sold anything online. But I have obviously friends selling things online. And yeah. nowadays, thankfully, like we have about more than 500 customers across the world. So I know a few things about e-commerce today, I think. <laughs> I okay. learned a bit. Yeah. Okay. So tell us a story. If uh, this, yeah, actually, this is a good question. So tell us the story about, um, let's say, when you know pricing came to fruition mm -hmm. what made you exactly start this company so you wanted to cure the solution for the issues that people had with non-automation pricing right mm -hmm. so was this the reason that you woke up one morning and said you know like that's it i'm gonna start pricing what's the technology behind it uh actually it, it was not morning uh, and i didn't wake <laughs> up and i came up i think i like specifically i was having a lunch with a friend of mine who was working at rocket internet a e-commerce giant uh, across europe so that guy mentioned, and that guy is actually even smarter than me. So when I heard that a smarter guy than me was doing this process manually, I, I couldn't stop building something on top of that with my yeah. partners. So I think that was the main trigger of that mm -hmm. event. But honestly, like what I really like uh, in today's business, I mean, in, in pricing is that, you know, it's B2B. Actually, yeah. I'm a guy who is into, I would say, human communication, like talking to consumers myself, like being in touch with people instead of just you know, doing software business, which is behind the computers. But, you know, thankfully, like, as we are now dealing with companies from more than 50 countries as our customers, yeah. I kind of felt this uh, human interaction part as well, even though we are doing everything online. I mean, we are now, for example, catching calls with people from Barcelona, from Mexico. So I'm kind of still traveling around the world by doing this business. So as the days progress and progress, we launched the product, we started to interact with people. Mm -hmm. And so far, so good. I mean, it has been about six years or so. Well, the first two years was actually really slow in terms of growth and everything because we needed to build the product. We needed to fail for, for a few experiments. Yeah. But I think since 2015, we are almost on the same track, like growing uh, faster than faster. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it, I can tell. Okay, so tell me a short story about um, a campaign or an experiment you did and how would that influence you in your business, in your day-to-day -day business? Uh, you mean in terms of pricing smart? Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, we, like, as I said, we are based in Istanbul, Turkey, mm -hmm. and we now work with companies from all around the world. And I think we unlocked that opportunity, let's say, by really focusing on a lot of, like, blogging. Uh, yeah. So we have, we have our own blog. Which obviously requires organic growth, so you cannot really wake up and see tremendous amount of traffic flowing in. But I think we did something right by focusing on guest blogging uh, very early, around like 2015 or something. So we somehow by chance unlocked really uh, promising opportunities by sending out blog posts to websites like Lemon Stand. I, I want to thank Harry, who was the CEO of the company, who enabled us that opportunity. So we wrote a really nice piece about e-commerce pricing strategies, a generic topic, yeah. which is still in our domain, obviously in our domain itself. And that uh, guest post actually brought us a lot of organic leads from that particular blog post published elsewhere. Yeah. So as we noticed that this is actually a good way to actually uh, communicate with people that are away from us, far from us. So we then started to repeat that in the many other thing. blogs, on PrestaShop blog, on Shopify blog, Magento blog, and all these type of uh, let's say uh, blogs and I think it brought us a good amount of inbound leads uh, okay. from all around the world okay so this is the good parts but what would be a thing that frustrates you a lot right now in the current digital landscape 
Uh, I think it's too crowded. I mean, obviously <laughs> yeah. we are part of that crowd, so it's not yeah. wise to complain about that. But for example, in terms of adverts, in terms of actually advertisement marketplaces where everybody's trying to grab an attention, I think it's uh, a little frustrating to compete on uh, like things like quality score, for example, on adverts, which no one knows anything about. I mean, people know things about that. Google yeah. tells things about that, but it's like quite vague. So competing on the exact same market for the exact same value is frustrating. So we are trying to do things a little different on different fronts. For example, fortunately in our market, customer service is somehow neglected by many of our competitors. Yeah. So we have dedicated customer support personnel team working in three different time zones because we are catering. I mean, repeatedly I'm telling this, but it's we work cool. with companies from more than 50 countries. Yeah. So because of that, we have a dedicated team for EMEA region, Europe, Middle East and Africa. We have a dedicated team for US and Canada. Yeah. And we recently have a team dedicated to Asia Pacific region. Mm -hmm. So whenever a lead, whenever a customer like writes us anything from the live chat, they don't need to wait for an hour or so. They just receive immediate Yeah, it's response. like high availability, right? I mean, amazingly <laughs> high availability, yeah. which is unexpected in our market for some reason. I mean, the others neglected that, but we really went on that. And I think it has also some uh, Turkishness in that. I mean, we are really hospitable. I yeah. mean, we, li we, we like to care about people. We like to cater people. And I think we are embedding that kind of cultural characteristic into our business. Into what you do. Yeah. Okay. So we see, I mean, I see a shift right now from marketing to customer experience, okay. talking to, you know, about what you're... So I see a shift right now, as you did, of, you know, in marketing, like people run a bit from acquisitions to customer experience and uh, from, you know, from acquisition to retention, basically. What's your opinion about re uh, customer retention in general? Yeah, uh, retention, you know, you will notice the importance of retention when you kind of fail at that in the beginning. So in the beginning of our business, we were losing about... 5% of our customer base every month. So 5% monthly churn is terrible for any SaaS yes. business. So we noticed that it's actually affecting our revenue. So we were always focusing on new customers acquired yeah. and, you know, like everyone does in the beginning. But we noticed that we are actually, we are having a lot of leakage at that time. So we initially addressed that problem as a revenue problem. Mm -hmm. And we dedicated a lot of customer success resources in our team to proactively communicate with our existing users rather than just Dali, like focusing on newly signing up for the trial. So that really helped us in terms of like not losing the paying clients. But additionally, yeah. for example, uh, we have clients working in multiple countries. For example, one of their accounts signs up for Colombia. Mm -hmm. So Colombia starts paying like $200 per month. And then they tell this uh, about this nice software they're using to their Mexican colleague, to Peruvian yeah. colleague. And then these accounts actually build upon themselves as if they are like more than new leads generated. So we noticed that as well. So now our net churn is actually almost like disappeared. So we make more upgrade revenues than almost we lose from churn and stuff. So retention is actually doing fine. And I think that the, the crucial part is actually to figure out its economic value as well. Not, mm -hmm. I mean, not just, let's say, magazinal value of it. I mean, it yeah. really affects your revenue. So you should really... Uh, think about it just as you think about new sales coming into your store I don't know your business okay do you think e-commerces nowadays are focused on customer retention or being customer centric do they think you think you know like generally speaking do they focus on customer experience overall uh, I think it, it also depends on the stage of the business so if the business is still at an early stage like we were when we had this 5% yeah. churn, obviously new customers should matter more than just keeping the two 
two or three, I don't know, ten customers in hand. I mean, I think focusing on aggressive acquisition in the beginning of the business yeah. lifetime makes sense. I mean, nobody should really I mean, say anything about that. It's it's experimentation. But uh, after a certain stage, when you, for example, cross a certain revenue threshold or number of customers threshold, it really makes sense to keep those uh, existing customers yeah. engaged uh, about your shop to, to help them make repetitive purchases and stuff because it again makes more sense in unit economics. I mean, existing customers' next purchases most are more profitable than acquiring new. I mean, this is all statistics. Yeah, and you were saying too, you know, because everything is so competitive right now that the acquisition costs are yeah, giant. Yeah, you I know. mean, sometimes you, you, you need to make loss to acquire a customer yeah. and people don't really figure that out so they they build they pile up on their losses and stuff and it doesn't really make sense but if you focus on your existing clients i think it's seven times more profitable to sell a product to your existing client yeah. base than acquiring a new one so i mean people should really focus on customer experience not just because it's you know a nice it's fancy cool, yeah. thing and stuff but it's more profitable i mean just in practical hard cash sense yeah 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 it it's typically sense. like to um Acquisition, you know, is like six, seven times more than repaying yeah, a customer or something like that. Yeah, so it's insane that there's a lot of e-commerces nowadays that just really focus on acquisition, even if they, you know, pass the first years of yeah. the business. True. But we're here to change that, aren't we? Yeah. So I have a question. We are at a machine learning event right now. It's called Growth in the E-commerce World Correct. with Machine Learning. So yeah. what's your take on machine learning? I, 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 you know, during the day, I also try to mention my opinion. And it's actually to take it as a, as a technological step yeah. uh, in, again, business life cycle. I mean, it shouldn't be regarded as a new breakthrough that everyone, everyone can jump into yeah. it. I mean, I think you need to satisfy certain conditions to enable machine learning for your own business. For example, you really need to at least digitize, automate certain aspects of your businesses. Then you should regard machine learning as the next step from that you know, yeah. internal automation. I mean, unless you collect data about your customers, unless you collect data about your business and you don't really keep anything in hand, I mean, machine learning cannot bring magic to your business. Yeah. So I think it should be regarded as a, as a let's say, a next level in your business. I think this is one of the mistakes that we see people expect on unexpectable actually stuff from any any new technological advancement and machine learning is the same. And if we talk about its like advantages, I think it's it saves a lot of time in terms of experimentation to the people because before machine learning, I mean, the way to learn about things was actually simply waiting. I mean, you just launch something new, you just come up with an hypothesis and you test it out for three months and see whether it's working, you change it, and then you find the correct answer in one year. But now in something like a laboratory, so you can let the data talk instead of waiting for 12 months, you see that this is the correct act to follow out of like 10, 15 different strategies. So you can find the correct strategy before waiting for 12 months and you implement. So it brings up a lot of pace uh, to the, let's say, companies that are at that stage. But uh, as I said, unless you are there yet, it's not going to bring any value to you. And actually, it might actually make you crash if yeah. you expect too much and if you are not ready there. Okay. So what would be something that excites you most these days in uh, you know, the current landscape, in the current digital landscape? What excites you from all these new technologies, all these new hypes and you know, all the cool things that people are doing right now? What would be something that excites you? Well, obviously I am biased, but I'm really <laughs> excited about you know, the digitization in pricing technologies yeah. because nowadays, I mean, it's not really that common or popular yet but you know every single day we are seeing new supermarkets launching these digital shelves for example they just 
at digital price tags into their store. So even the physical supermarkets are now changing their prices quite frequently because they don't need to print these price tags anymore, but yeah. they can change things from their POS systems and stuff. I think that's really exciting because that helps companies like us to also deal with physical price points in addition yeah. to e-commerce price points. This is one of the aspects, but in a more broader sense, I think it uh, as things get digitized, uh, it enables more automation opportunities because, you know, automating like physical things is, is not easy because, you know, you don't really have digits, you don't really have the computational power to be applied on that. But if things are digital, you can really uh, describe them as processes into your computer. Yeah. The computing power so things can get automated unfortunately more and more automation will leverage people's like more humanistic skills like i don't dealing with customers yeah. in a nicer way instead of dealing with excel files for hours uh that's that's where i'm standing optimistic about. okay that sounds great uh, I have a more personal question right now for our audience because everyone, you know, like when we bring professionals to these interviews, we like to know how they started and, you know, how did they get here. So if it was an advice that you could give to your 20-year-old self, which advice would it be? Uh, well, I... Try to go back in time with me. <laughs> I mean, I think, obviously, if I, if I admire myself, I think I will definitely make different type of mistakes because now if I just, you know close one path to myself I will probably follow another wrong one instead yeah. of just the direct one because things never work that way like in linear but I think I would I would really tell myself that okay you know everybody tells you that it's going to be stressful and it's going to be difficult I yeah. would say they will really mean it I mean because when you just read about the you know emotional roller coaster of the startup thing and everything you know reading it is different than really living it so I think I would really set my expectations right I would really I know, uh, try to keep my mental health and everything in, in shape uh, before just diving into this. But you know, even even if you motivate yourself in that direction, you still feel sucked at some point, but then yeah. you feel up and everything. I think I wouldn't change that much of stuff because, because it also kills the whole enthusiasm if you really play by rules in the very mm -hmm. beginning. I mean, in, in the initial step, you're like a baby, you try to navigate and you try to find your way. I mean, you cannot really tell a baby to the way to move forward yeah. I mean it will find it in a way and I think I wouldn't have that much of tips other than this okay okay so talking about reading because you were start you were telling uh, yeah. telling us about reading what's your favorite book and why uh, actually I I don't read that much of business books okay. I would say but uh, I, I was actually a, I mean literature geek uh, mm -hmm. during the university times and I read a really, really nice 2300 pages of notes from Marcel Proust so okay. It's a, it's a French novelist because yeah, I, I was not yeah. really planning to become an entrepreneur or something <laughs> while I was in the university. I was planning to become an author or I don't know, academician or something. So I never dealt with business books back then. So that book, I think, in the search of lost time or something, yeah, 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 uh, is actually about French aristocracy in 1700 or I don't know, 1700, 1800, whatever. Why did you like it though? I, I think it was it was something. Uh, like a novel that was trying to depict whatever we think from in our brains. I mean, it's like almost like a neuroscientific novel, which was mm -hmm. actually written in 1900 or something. Yeah. So I really liked the fact that the author was actually experimenting around neuroscientific ideas before neuroscience really existed. Yeah. And I really like to put myself into his shoes and to imagine about brain, but before the brain was examined already. So that, I think that's my favorite bit of novel. 
But in terms of obviously, nowadays I'm reading more and more business books because I need to educate myself because I'm still a young CEO. I'm a CEO to be, I believe. Yeah. So I, I really like the book called Effective Executive from Drucker. Okay. So he's a strategist. He's everything in a way. But this Effective Executive book helped me to actually deal with this tremendous amount of work that we need to deal on a daily basis. So now I think I'm doing much better in managing my time and managing my workloads thanks to this book. Yeah. And there is also a book called Out. High Output Management by okay. Intel CEO. It's also a nice book. I think I, I read these books because at some point people really feel like they need to improve their productivity and everything because you suddenly notice that you're not like able to handle everything. So yeah. these two books really practically help me to deal with all the stuff that I'm dealing with. Okay, that's awesome, and I love how you uh, you know explain the the you know the, the Marcel Proust. Uh, yeah, I like the novelty too. I'm, I'm a Balzac fan. Okay, I, so it's mostly yeah. you know same. Yeah, same, same, same yeah. similar, similar. Yeah. yeah, awesome. So in the end, I would just like for you like I want an advice from you to a young entrepreneur mm-hmm. that's trying to open his own uh, company that offers solutions mm-hmm. in the e-commerce world, and I also would like an advice for you to an e-commerce business mm-hmm. that's in the beginning why would you tell them uh, I think I, I'm just going to give the same advice to yeah. both sides probably, okay. and it's going to be a more general advice for digital businesses in general I mean when we say digital we mostly I mean we are doing our day job by looking into computers and if you imagine what we are doing for example from 100 years ago I mean, we, we wouldn't know what a computer is, so we will be just looking into a bright screen every day doing this and yeah. that. I think when we really do this every day, every year, every month or so, whatever, we really lost the, we really lose actually the sense of what we are really doing. I mean, at the end of the day, for e-commerce or for any business, I mean, you are still dealing with other people working at another company or at the other end of the computer. So I think we should really never forget about this. We, we call it human to human when we deal with business to business. I mean, it's not me to be only, it's age to age in a way. So I think people should always figure that out. So if you, for example, in my case, I'm not dealing with sales uh, day, day to day nowadays. So we have a sales team dedicated to that. But in order not to lose the track of this like human connection, sometimes I jump on a sales call. Yeah. I just try to visit our customers face to face because, you know, we have... A, Repeatedly, we have customers from 50 countries, so it's not easy for me to meet every single one of them, but at least I try. Tomorrow I will go to Stockholm for a customer meeting, on Thursday I will do so. I think they should never forget that it's still human at the end of the day. So digitization is just an efficiency method. It's not just the core of it. Obviously, I'm not talking about deep tech stuff, which enables these type of technologies at the back end, but most of the e-commerce and also like service providers around e-commerce are still helping people. Exactly. And they shouldn't forget that in a sense we are never forgetting that.